0: Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. My name is Tiffany Buckner and I want to talk about beautiful narcissists who use the church as cover. And when I say that they use the church as cover, I'm not saying that they're all diabolical and they say, you know what, I'm going to go inside the church and I'm going to hide in the church. Most of the time you're dealing with people who are looking at the church for... Support, you know, they're looking at the church maybe to heal. Um, Sometimes you have people who are looking at the church because they don't have a community, they don't have a family. There are many reasons as to why people, you know, come to church. And all too often, the church has seen, you know, our fair share of people who walked in who had what we call the Jezebel spirit. Um, what the world or the secular world refers to as the narcissist and they've come into the church and whenever you come in contact with people like that, they're not so easy to detect. In many cases, some cases they are. Um, remember, when we started using the word uh, narcissism, there are two types of narcissists. There are covert and there are overt narcissists when you're dealing with the overt that means over the top. This means relatively flamboyant. Um, they can be outwardly rude, more extroverted or what have you. But when you're dealing with the covert, they're not so easy to detect um, because when you're dealing with the covert, they're typically going to hide behind a mild personality um, that undercover. So you just remember those words, covert cover over, over the top. But they're more undercover. They're a little bit more passive, or they're going to be passive aggressive, or what have you. So you're not going to necessarily realize um, when you're dealing with a covert that that you're dealing with a narcissist because that person is relatively sweet. You know, um, if she happens to be a beautiful woman, she just looks like you know, like a beautiful, helpless, innocent person, or what have you, and you don't realize that you're dealing with somebody who is a narcissist. The person. You know, most of the time you're dealing with a narcissist, they don't even realize that they're narcissists, right? Um, They see themselves as victims. You know, many times when you're dealing with narcissistic people, they have a traumatic history and they see themselves as victims. Now, there are two types of uh, or two directions which I've noticed that narcissists tend to come from. One, the traumatic direction. They've been extremely traumatized over the course of their lives. And two, the entitled direction. Whereas a parent, and it's still a form of trauma, whereas a parent, what have you, has given them all of what they wanted over the course of their lives, allowed them to have 375 temper tantrums a year and just gave into their demands. And again, that's a form of trauma because a parent did not parent that child. A parent did not Um, cover that child or correct that child, discipline that child, did not educate that child, but a lot of times a parent, what they did was they pacify the child. And uh, when you're dealing with narcissism, it usually deals with an area of that person's personality that did not mature, did not develop into full maturity. And so that's what happens when you start pacifying a, a child, when you start to just, you know, you don't allow them to grow up. You don't allow them to understand that the word, no, is not a personal attack against them, but the parent just constantly gives in to the child's demands, constantly gives in. And so that person, you know, as that child grows into a young, lady she doesn't understand that for example the word no is not an enemy or people who say no to her are not her enemies she's just so accustomed to getting what she wants and then she learns to be manipulative because you know obviously the parents are gonna say no at some point and you know but she learns how to twist it and get a yes out of the parents she learns how to manipulate them she learns how to dominate them and i'm not just talking about women but i'm just using she as an example but She learns how to manipulate, dominate, and control her parents. And so she brings that out into the world with her. Um, She learns to manipulate, dominate, and control other people. Now, when she starts off in the world, obviously, she's going to see people that she can't control. And when you're dealing with a beautiful narcissist, most of the time when they come across people that they can't control, they almost always use the word jealousy. They almost always use the word jealousy. they'll say, "Oh, you know these people are jealous of me everywhere I go, people are always jealous of me you know is is it a crime to be beautiful or what have you?" and you know I've heard that that rhetoric quite a bit you know I've had some amazingly beautiful friends and I've come across women that I've counseled who were incredibly beautiful and I've noticed a dynamic. I've noticed that there are some women. are incredibly beautiful They're they're more down to earth and even though they may have dealt with their fair share of jealousy they don't think everywhere that they go that when a woman does not receive them well that is jealousy for the most part they've come to understand that okay Sometimes it's a case, this person doesn't know me. The person may be introverted, may be uncomfortable. Well, you're dealing with a narcissist. They think everything is jealousy. They think everything is, or a beautiful narcissist. Um, a lot of times they're going to think everything is. Every time I go places, people are always hating on me. People are always jealous of me. I can't even walk into a room without people thinking, you know, uh, this bad about me or thinking that bad about me. Uh, one of the things I start immediately thinking about was a young lady I met some years ago She felt like everybody felt, you know, thought she wanted their man. And I was like, sweetie, that's not the case. You gotta understand people have different personalities. You know, sometimes when you're coming across people, um, and, you know, there are cases when people think like that, right? Um, but, I'm like you know I've come across women, for example, and they got their guy with them, and they they pass me by, and they you know they're not necessarily the friendliest people, and I don't think that the woman feels like I want her man, you know for the most part, I'll just kind of look at it and brush it off as you know that's just the type of people they are they're more to themselves, or you know the woman could be relatively insecure, she may not like her man talking to any female, but it has nothing to do with me personally, so I don't personalize it, and i don't you know take it upon myself or what have you, but when you're dealing with narcissism. Um, a lot of times a person who's a narcissist takes everything personal. Everything's about them. This is why the Bible says, um, uh think no higher of yourself than you ought to. Uh, They think everything's about them. If a person walks into a room, the person doesn't speak to anybody, including them. They will take that in their heart to say, oh, the person didn't speak to me because I'm beautiful. The person didn't say anything to me because I'm gorgeous. It's like this everywhere that I go. And again, most of the times when you're dealing with this type of behavior, uh, well, I won't say again, but I will say most of the time when you're dealing with this type of behavior, there those women have been able, and men have been able to hide behind the word jealousy. Now, you don't hear men using jealousy too much. Um, for the most part, men will just allow women to kind of say that on their behalf. But uh, whenever you're dealing with women like that, for the most part, they've been able to hide behind the word, oh, people are jealous of me. Because realistically speaking. Every person comes in contact with people who are jealous of them, whether they're beautiful or not. You know, if you have anything going for yourself, you're going to come in contact with jealousy over the course of your life. It's a flesh issue. Um, and I, I can't say that someone who's incredibly beautiful hasn't hasn't you know encountered it a little bit more, but it's not as excessive as many women claim it to be. They may believe that that's the case. They may believe that every time somebody um, doesn't accept them, every time somebody judges them, every time somebody is condescending toward them they believe that and they may genuinely believe that those people are jealous of them but that's not always the case sometimes you just come in contact with people who are just nasty for no reason and I've had to tell people that you know especially when you're in a communal space I've had to tell people that and they'd be like you know such and such doesn't like me oh my gosh it's because I'm beautiful and I'm like oh no she don't like nobody (laughs) that's just how she is you know but it's again how they interpret a lot of things that have happened to them because of something that happened to them over the course of their lives. Again, many times they will hide behind those type of claims um, to hide their character. And, you know, and you've got people in the church or you have, especially men, um, when you're dealing with men in the church, they have hid these type of women in the congregation. They have hid uh, jealous the, the, the Jezebels or the narcissistic females in the congregation because when a narcissistic female comes in and she's not necessarily received by a lot of people in the church, what then happens is, you know, the guys and, you know, some of the women in there will acknowledge that, oh, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. And then, you know, they will be like, oh, it's this case where, you know, it's like it's always been like this with the church or what have you. They, they, they think that that's a Jezebel or what have you. And they will sit there and they will hide that particular female. It's not until one of those guys successfully gets with her, uh, gets into a relationship with her and finds himself at her wrath, finds himself at her mercy that he realizes that it's not a case. Of people saying that, um, you know, calling, her, talking bad about her or being avoided toward her because of her beauty is because people were able to discern her character, especially other women. Now, I'm going to say something that's relatively controversial, but it is what it is. I saw something on TikTok some years ago. Well, not some years ago, probably this year or next, last year. Um, I saw something on TikTok where um, somebody said something that was extremely controversial and I couldn't do anything but agree. Um, I don't remember if it was a male or a female. I'm thinking it was a female. She said that when you're dealing with like school shootings, and this was on the heels of a school shooting where a student had killed some people or what have you, and she said, you know, of course, the student's claim was that he had been bullied. And um, everybody comes out during those times and talk about folks need to stop bullying these kids. People need to stop doing this and stop doing that because what it's doing is it's sending these kids over the edge. You don't know what they're going through at home or what have you. But... This female she came out and she was like no most of the time you're dealing with a narcissist sitting in a classroom and what happens is children are relatively discerning. Now I'm not saying this is the case in a hundred percent of the cases, so don't add me, but sometimes you're dealing with a narcissist that's sitting in a classroom and a narcissist can be beautiful. doesn't have to necessarily be beautiful, but you're dealing with a narcissistic broken little boy. And that little boy is sitting in a classroom and because he's not being worshiped and the other kids are relatively discerning. So when he comes into the classroom, because most of the time when you're dealing with uh, people that are sociopaths like that, most of the times they are not very uh people friendly they're not they, they 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 have social awkwardness um i'm trying to find that word but they're socially awkward they they don't do very well in, in in communal settings and a lot of times they're not celebrated or praised the way that they think that they ought to be you know because they deal a lot with fantasy believe it or not a lot of these kids play video games a lot Um, They like to watch sci-fi. They deal a great deal with fantasy. And when they come into the school, they fantasize about being like superhero types. They fantasize about being worshipped. They fantasize about being that. And other kids are able to discern that this is a weirdo. This is not a a, a really good person or what have you. And those children will use their social anxiety against him. So they won't receive them. And you do have people that will bully that particular child. And what it does to that particular child is the child gets upset because the child, it's not that the child is being bullied. That is part of it, you know, because nobody wants to be humiliated, right? But in a lot of cases, and I'm not saying that this is every case where a child has been bullied, but in a lot of cases, what you're dealing with is a, a, a person who, has is upset because he or she wasn't received the way he or she was fantasy you know fantasized that child it wasn't worshiped or what have you though you have some kids that you know will shoot up a a school and has nothing to do with them being bullied they weren't really bullied but they shoot up a school they can talk about maybe one incident um, of being bullied or one incident and they'll shoot up a school and they'll hide behind the fact that they were bullied by one person at one point it could be somebody like jimmy john in the second grade and it's like they in the 10th grade now but they'll use that um as a justification but the reality of it is is that these are crazy kids these are kids who are broken these are kids who have high grade or high levels of um creativity and that creativity is perverted. And so it turns to a bunch of fantasies, demonic, crazy fantasies. They don't have great parents and they're just sitting at home fantasizing about, you know, people worship them, worshiping them, people, you know, themselves being celebrities. And when they're not given that a lot of times they'll start having another fantasy. And that is, you know, ruling kids at any uh, cost or what have you need. They, they fantasize about killing other kids. Um, and again, they will use the fact that um they're honestly hiding behind jealousy They'll use, well, not, they don't claim to be jealous when you're dealing with the guys, but they will hide behind the fact that, you know, they have been bullied at some point, but in reality, they're, uh, they're upset because they're jealous. They're upset because they've looked at another little boy in the school and he's relatively popular and he's worshiped by the girls and the girls give him all the attention. And they'll typically find a young girl at the school that they really, really like, but she is not interested in him. She may reject him because she's looking at the popular boy. So what that does is it will trigger the narcissist who, you know, many times is going to say, you know, oh, they don't like me because I don't have that much. Money, or I don't, you know, I look this way or I, I look that way. They will make that um, as their excuse and then they go to fantasizing about killing kids. Uh, but the point of it is the young lady was saying that not every case of a school shooting is the result of people bullying a child. Sometimes what you're dealing with is children who actually discern that particular young man and they were able to tell that he was weird and off and he was a little bit crazy and they didn't receive him well. They didn't receive him well. And so they didn't necessarily invite him to the gatherings. They didn't; they weren't the friendliest toward him. And sometimes they weren't mean to him. They just didn't ex- accept him. They just didn't embrace him uh, the way that he wanted to be embraced. And so consequently, um, he killed them. And so what she was saying was that this, you know, a lot of school shootings were pretty much inevitable because the child was mentally unstable, because the child was broken. And the only other option would have been for those children to embrace that particular child. That's the only way they would have lived, to embrace that particular child um, and to allow that child to dominate and control them. But because the church, the child wasn't received, the child didn't get what they wanted or what have you. A lot of times the child decided that they were going to have their moment of glory. Since they couldn't have an entire school year of glory, they decided they were going to have a moment of glory. And they fantasize about coming into the school and people begging for their lives. They fantasize about people, you know worshiping them and people, you know, just looking at them and it, what have you in a certain way um, where that person, you know, is afraid for their lives and, you know, to them, it made them have this godlike complex where they felt like, you know, now my your life is in my hands. And so that's when you're dealing with many times the male narcissists at the school. I'm just saying that to say that when it comes to female narcissists, a lot of times women are discerning toward them as well. Men don't understand this, but women can be relatively discerning toward them because, you know, I've heard the claim with women, you know, I've been in communal spaces with women who were beautiful. And the thing about it is you will have two categories of beautiful women. You have the ones who are relatively down to earth. They're cool. They're nice. They're kind. And they don't think that everybody wants them. They really, they're really down to earth. They've had their fair share of jealousy. They've had their fair share of things just like everybody else. But they don't interpret things as oh, every time I go places, uh, people are jealous of me, or what have you, because they're not looking to be worshipped. But then you have those ones that see everything as a jealousy as jealousy. See everything is oh, people jealous of me because I'm beautiful, people never embrace me because I'm beautiful, and that has nothing to do with people. That that's their interpretation of people's response to their behavior. Um, And I've seen uh, many cases like this where you'll have a woman, for example, who is, she is beautiful, but she's not the most beautiful person in a communal space, but she will interpret it that way because, you know, she wasn't necessarily worshiped the way that she felt like she should have been. Um, When she came into the space because of her trauma, because of her history, because of her background, she wasn't, she was socially awkward as well. She didn't fare well with people. So whenever she, especially when it came to women, she didn't fare well with women. so what she did was whenever she came into a communal space and when I say communal space I'm talking about a community when she came into a place like a church or a a, a job or a school when she came into a communal space um, she wasn't she wasn't embraced or she was embraced the same, at the same rate everybody else had been embraced, or what have you, which means that, you know, people weren't jumping out of their seats to say hello to her, Um, they were just, you know, she had to build friendships like everybody else, but she interpreted that as, oh, they're jealous of me, here we go again, Um, when honestly, that's not the case, and honestly, and she may have been, you know, prom queen at her school, maybe she was worshipped at her school she went she was in a small city and so she was given a lot of attention at her school a lot of favor at her school obviously she dealt with bullies she dealt with jealous folks but she was given a lot of attention and she goes to a, a, a bigger space um like a college or what have you and she's humbled in that place but whenever she goes in there she interprets it as oh they're jealous of me because nobody is embracing me nobody's jumping at my beck and call And that is a real thing. And it's hard to discuss that in a church because whenever you start talking about that, people automatically are going to say, oh, you're jealous or that it's got to be jealousy on your part. No, as a female, we have seen plenty of cases Where women, honestly, they just felt like folks owed them something. They felt like if you didn't embrace them the way they wanted to be embraced, you were jealous of them. They felt like if you didn't give them what they wanted to be given, you were jealous of them. They felt like if you did not worship them, you were jealous of them. And that wasn't the case. It was just a simple situation where people are saying, okay, I don't know you. Or in some cases, I'm discerning something about you that feels a little bit off to me. I'm discerning something about you that feels a little bit off to me when somebody who, you know, may not necessarily be considered attractive may, you know, oftentimes be considered unattractive walks into a communal space. They're not going to interpret it in many cases as, oh, I'm beautiful or even, oh, I'm ugly. Uh, Many times they'll just take it as, you know people don't know me. Now, of course, there are some people who have trauma as it relates to their looks or what have you. So there are some people who genuinely feel that way. Um, They'll walk into a space and, you know, they're not considered attractive by a lot, you know, by um, worldly standards or what have you. And they feel like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm never embraced when I go into places um, people, you know, it's all because I don't look so good, but they always accepting people like her. You know, people are always worshiping people like her because she's pretty or what have you. So there are people I've counseled them both. There are extremes, but there again are people out there who are balanced, balanced people actually see things for what they are. When you're dealing with laziness, you deal with generalization, meaning you just draw a conclusion that fits you, that helps you that so that you don't have to discern spirits and you don't have to try to have relationships with people and get to understand that okay no you may be uh you may be releasing the 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 wrong type of energy and when I say energy I'm not using that in a new age way but I'm talking about your personality the way your body language when you go into a space you may not be um giving off the best um you may not be giving off the best energy you may not be going into the space in a way that Makes people feel comfortable around you, um, so there's, there's such thing of course we know as body language. We also know facial expressions and stuff like that, so maybe you 're not smiling when you walk into a space if your head is in the air and you 're kind of looking past people and over people, people assume that you're not wanting to be embraced that you don 't want to speak to them, you don 't want to be bothered, and in many cases, if you happen to be beautiful, they will assume that you think that you 're all that because. You know, granted, there are many women out there and men who are exceptionally beautiful or handsome, and they do walk into spaces with their head in the air. And that is a defense mechanism on their part, because in many cases, they've made a decision that, hey, I don't want to have relationships with everybody. I want to repel people from me because I don't want people to be drawn to me. Because again, when people are beautiful, people are naturally drawn to beautiful people. And so they that's their defense mechanism. And so a lot of times what they do, they will walk into a space and put their head in the air, especially women. Uh, but they will walk into a space and put their head in the air and they just walk past people without speaking to them or if they do speak is relatively dry you know it's no eye contact with it it's just more um hey and they just keep it going and so people can read into that okay well this person doesn't want to be bothered and people for the most part will typically start respecting that and you have some women who are extraordinarily beautiful who are narcissistic and narcissistic women tend to surround themselves with other women who are Exceptionally beautiful, so they'll come into a space, a communal space, and they will not talk to um average women, they won't even talk to the down to earth beautiful women. You know, they can have a woman who is just as beautiful or more beautiful than themselves, but because she's relatively down to earth and she talks to everybody, they won't fool with her because she doesn't have any money or what have you. They won't fool with her, you know, she's not relatively wealthy or well to do, they won't fool with her. And you know, of course, we talk about that's the mean girl. Uh, mentality but they will go up in there and they'll find for example another beautiful woman who's kind of off to herself maybe she drives a nice little convertible or something and they will automatically go over to her and you know this this female that has had her head in the air um she will notice that other female and she'll go up to her and she'll be like you need help with that you know and so she's nice to that female and the other female's like oh no thank you i got it Um, And she's like, no, let me help you. I insist. And she's like, oh well, thank you. And next thing you know, they start talking, they exchange information, and they become friends or what have you. And their friendship is not based on, okay, we're two people who you know just happen to meet and we thought each other was nice. No, it had everything to do with a woman who genuinely believed in her heart that she needed to surround herself with beautiful people. And that's not always the case. I'm not saying that every time you see a group of beautiful women uh, walking together, that they intentionally said, hey, I want to be around other beautiful people. Sometimes people naturally came together, but in most, in, in many cases, I would say it's coagulation. You know, when I say coagulation, think about blood, they clotted together. You had these uh, women that, for example, they found other people who were relatively narcissistic. You know, there are, narcissism comes in pretty people and not so pretty people, right? Uh, but when you're dealing with beauty, a lot of times women recognize that beauty is power. Men recognize it as well. But they recognize that beauty is power. It gives you undeserved privileges, undeserved rights. And a lot of times it can create this, uh, again, this entitlement. And um, you have people who want to be around folks who can relate to them. You know, you have a beautiful woman who wants to be around other beautiful women who can relate to their narcissism, other beautiful women. They can relate uh, to the way that they see the world. Um, and that gives them somebody to talk to. So let's talk about again in the church when this happens. I've seen male ministers, for example, defend females that were narcissistic. I've seen male ministers and they end up getting hurt by those women in the end. But I've seen male ministers defend women. For example, beautiful woman walks into the church wearing a tight dress or what have you. And she has her head in the air. She has heels on. And the woman is gorgeous. She has, she's shapely or what have you. And she walks in when she walks into the space and all I understand there are different perspectives, right? So when she walks into the space, you got to see everybody's perspective of her. Um, and whenever you generalize, you're not looking at it from that perspective. You're just looking at a fact. The fact is she's beautiful. The fact is she's shapely. That's the fact that you're looking at and you just draw a con- conclusion. That's what generalization does. Uh, but and that's a form of prejudice, meaning to prejudge. But in reality, if you were to go from everybody's perspective, you will have, you know, the woman that says, hey, I've seen her coming, let's say, into the church. I've seen her many times. You know, she passed. She's never spoke to me. I spoke to her several times until I realized that, hey, she really didn't want to be bothered. So I stopped speaking to her. Um, You'll have some women that say you know some women that say, "Hey, you know she speaks whenever she wants to she doesn't always speak there are times when she'll say hello there are other times when she don't, so we stop speaking to her because you know nobody wants to deal with that. I don't want to try to figure out whether or not you're gonna speak or return. you know you're gonna speak back to me today um and then there are other people who have a different encounter with her uh she speaks but only when spoken to, meaning she'll pass them by and she'll have her head in the air and the only time she's gonna speak is if they say, Hey, how you doing? and she'll turn to smile and say, Hey, how are you? How are you? That they're different perspectives. Everybody's had a different type of encounter with that female. And Whenever you're dealing with like generalization, for example, where that female finds a a gullible male, when she finds a male who looks at her beauty and he's taken aback by her beauty, and she starts singing that song to him, you know, it's like that. Every and church women especially, they've just never embraced me. I've never understood why. A lot of times when you're dealing with a gullible male who is swept away by her beauty, he'll start, you know, yelling for her. You know, y'all females, y'all just jealous. This, this, that, and the other. And as we, as women, a lot of times what we do is we'll just kind of sit back and a cut. you know we'll miss seely him, and when I say Miss Seely, just think about the color purple when uh Miss Seely sat there and watched Mr. put that kerosene in the uh, stove and blew himself up. She got herself a rocking chair she put her she rested her head in her hands and she just rocked and watched and watched him uh, about to blow himself up and right before the explosion, she got out that chair and got up out of there and that's what we typically do. Whenever we're dealing with a male, for example, who doesn't recognize that that whenever you have a community of women who are looking at another woman who doesn't necessarily like that woman, it doesn't mean that they're jealous. There are cases when it is, but there, it doesn't always mean that they're jealous of that female. Sometimes they're identifying that this is a person who has a problematic personality and this person, you know, she's coming into a space wanting to be worshipped. She's coming into a space wanting to be the highlight of that space and she's not getting that attention. She's not getting that praise. Um, and so because she's not getting it, she interprets it. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's because I'm beautiful. Um, It's always been like this everywhere I've gone over the course of my life. People have always judged me. They've always talked about me, you know, just because I'm beautiful. And like I said, the women will sit back and allow that guy to, you know, have his moments. If he happens to get a microphone, he'd be like, every beautiful woman ain't a Jezebel or what have you. And While that's true and while the church, you know, you have had that to happen in the church, I don't think it's happened as much as a lot of people try to pretend that it has. Um, I think that the situation is we have had our fair share of narcissistic Jezebelic women who have walked into the church who were coverts and they were beautiful and they hid behind their beauty and they said oh my gosh and they will cry I've had like I said I've had plenty of friends I was in the world they will cry they will do all of that stuff and behind the scenes they are doing some dirty 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 stuff I always talk about a, a time when I had a friend who was um, beautiful and I knew her when she was a kid I knew her when we, we, we started off as kid friends um, but then she kind of grew and she realized that she was uh, beautiful exceptionally beautiful what have you and I remember this young lady used to sit back and she used to play me like a fiddle Right, she used to play me like a fiddle. She had me thinking that everybody was jealous of her. You know all the bad stuff was happening because everybody was jealous of her and It wasn't until I started finding out and talking to other people that because I used to defend her, I used to be ready to fight people over this girl because I felt like, oh y'all just jealous of her that if this is the case, and that's the case. But no, come to find out she was sleeping with other people men she was just you know not a good person um as far as her character at that particular stage in her life but what she would do is she would hide behind beauty, you know, she would, because she was beautiful. She would hide behind the fact that she was beautiful and say, oh, and she would cry at the drop of a dime. And that's what made it so real. She would cry. And I used to get really frustrated because I was like, girl, you better stop letting these folks, you know, you better stop letting these folks bother you. It's because you are pretty. And she was like, I didn't ask for this face and all of this stuff. I remember having another friend. I can't even necessarily say that she was narcissistic, but, um, I had a friend back when I was working at Walmart and she was exceptionally beautiful or what have you but the the thing about it is I had other friends who were exceptionally beautiful that I was working with that I was close to it there, but they had a different perspective um than this particular friend but this particular friend I remember uh you know she said uh, women at the store they didn't they didn't speak to her because she was beautiful, and that was her 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 interpretation of things and what have you and I remember she used to cry about it and stuff and I used to get mad at her because I'm like girl why are you crying you just let them be haters but I used to oftentimes wonder why, okay, I got friend A over here who is drop dead gorgeous, who really don't think that way. And sure enough, she has her fair share of haters, um, just like the other women have. But it wasn't like over the top, but why is friend B, you know, why? why is her reality that and you know I believed her to be honest with you I believed her but I I, I can say genuinely I think that was just her interpretation but and I can say honestly I almost didn't become friends with her because we did think that she thought she was better even though she was beautiful my beautiful friends didn't like her because they were just like you know she thinks she this and she thinks she that but it had nothing to do with her being beautiful it had everything to do with her personality it was the way that she behaved um because she just seemed really flamboyant right she just seemed over the top with you know just kind of putting an extra layer of sauce and sugar on the way she spoke and you know the way that she behaved or what have you and so that's how we interpreted it was oh she thinks she she thinks she all that or what have you but then when I became friends with her I I realized that you know no she wasn't like that or what have you so there I think that there is what I would define it as beautiful trauma and what I mean by that is a lot of times, when a woman is beautiful, she is going to deal with a little bit more jealousy than most women do. People do judge her prematurely, but she has the same story as somebody who's considered unattractive. It's very similar to because they're judged because of how they look, and they're not necessarily received because of how they look as well. And, you know, both parties typically deal with trauma. But I think a lot of times what the problem or the mistake that many uh, people begin to make is that they start to interpret everything as being because of the way that they look. But a lot of times they don't develop emotionally. They don't develop socially. So consequently, when they walk into a space, they don't understand, for example, speak. You know, just say hello to people. Don't walk into the space and just put your head in the air and go in a corner and sit down. If you're in a waiting room, just go in a corner and sit down and start looking at your phone and cross your legs. And and you already, cause you're exhibiting that, like you're exuding that energy, but you're, you're, you're showing like you, you. Like, you don't want people to bother you. Like, you already think that you're something. And people read into that type of behavior, whereas you will have the more balanced female, the more down-to-earth female, who will walk into a space like that, and she'll say, hello. You know, she'll say hello, and everybody says hi. Um, Obviously, there are some people who deal with jealousy. They may not speak to her, but it's not as common as we uh, like to believe that it is. Now, when you're dealing with the beautiful Jezebel or the beautiful narcissist within a church setting, especially when you're dealing with the covert The covert typically is going to hide behind the fact that she's beautiful and you're dealing with a spirit. Remember, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of this dark world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Whenever you're dealing with the beautiful Jezebel or the beautiful narcissist, many times you're dealing with a person that socially um, and emotionally they're underdeveloped. You know, they, they, they dealt with their fair share of trauma or what have you, they're underdeveloped and they don't know how to put the proper label on rejection. So whenever they deal with rejection, they just automatically assume that it's because they're beautiful or something like that. But typically people like that they do evil things to people and don't realize that is wrong. I'll give you examples. I've I've counseled women. Um And one of the things I've noticed with some of the women that I've counseled, like the ones who were, you know, beautiful worship, uh, I will say praise for their beauty. And honestly, y'all hear me when I say this, they weren't, it's not a case where they're the most beautiful in a setting. Most of the times it's an interpretation on their end. Um, It's just how they see the world. They see the world through a beautiful lens. And when I say beautiful lens, they see the world as everything being about face, you know, facial structure. Uh, But I've had a couple of counseling sessions that I've done with women and even I've had friends uh, who've done this, whereas they've come across men, for example, that liked them. The men were married, the men, you know, were flirting. And of course, you know, they took it as okay. It's because I'm beautiful. It's always like this or what have you not realizing that, you know, that could be the case. But then again, when you're dealing with a male, a male whore, right? <laughs> When you're dealing with somebody who's promiscuous, they really don't care how you look. In most cases, especially if they're married, they're just trying to get some. But um, I've seen cases where the female will put herself like she will know that a man's flirting with her. He It, it would be a consistent thing every time she shows up at work, that man flirts with her. And, you know, it's no different than he does other females. But she likes the attention. You know, she likes the attention, but she doesn't. She'll claim she doesn't like the attention. But what she'll do is she'll keep putting herself like the man will say, meet me in the lounge at, 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 at 2 p.m. You know, because everybody should be working. And, you know, uh, so take your break around 2 p.m. and meet me in the lounge. And she will literally do that. She will literally do that. And she'll go in that lounge. And then the guy come up in there and he's going to interpret it as, oh, well, you actually did it. You must want. The, uh, you must want what I'm offering. You must want to be flirted with. You must want to have a relationship with me. He'll take it that way because she is reciprocating. I'm being careful because I can actually tell, I think about two stories that stand out to me. Uh, one from a former friend who did some really shady stuff with a guy. And when I say shady, she didn't reciprocate, she wasn't raped. Don't think, don't think anything like that. But What ended up happening with her was she kept talking about this man who, you know, she worked with who had a crush on her or what have you. And she kept talking about him flirting. And I'm like, girl, just ignore him. And of course, she was a beautiful girl. But I was just like, hey, sis, just ignore him. Don't pay him any mind or what have you. And then what ended up happening with her was one particular day, she calls me and says, well, they end up having a meeting and she let him pick her up. And I was like, wait. And she waited till after all of this had transpired. And I was like, wait. So me being the friend, me having known the story, I'm like, why would you let him pick you up when you keep, you've been complaining that he's been flirting with you? Why would you not drive your car, your own vehicle? She had a brand new vehicle. Why would you not drive your own vehicle uh, to this particular event? Why would you not? She was like, cause I was just trying to save on gas No, that doesn't make sense. Why would you not drive your own vehicle? If you've been having trouble with this married man and you've been trying to keep him at bay, why would you invite him to pick you up? Spirit of accusation, because you know what he was going to do wrong and she knew it and she was going to utilize it. Because a lot of times when you're dealing with a narcissistic female, she likes the attention. She loves to play the victim. And so what is the very same thing of the woman who um, is responsible for Emmett Till's death? A lot of times, they, they like to put themselves in a situation that obviously Emmett Till didn't do anything wrong, but a lot of times, they just like the attention. They like to, because it makes them feel beautiful and wanted, and it sends a message m- most of the times to other guys who are either there in a relationship with or men who have rejected them that, hey, I am highly desired, or what have you. But what ended up happening was uh, she rode with the guy. Um, when the, everything was over with, he was bringing her back, and you know he tried to take her somewhere. And, you know, he was inappropriate. what have you. He didn't try to go to a hotel, but he, you know, he was just, it was just inappropriate to say, um, he was a married man. I don't want to tell her story, but it was just inappropriate. But then what ended up happening was, um, she told him she wasn't comfortable, this, that, this, that, and the other, when they get to work, uh, she goes back and she tries to pl- pl- plot on whether I should, she should tell his wife. And, you know, eventually she, you know, she quits the job, uh, I think the next day or what have you, and she reaches out to the wife and tells the wife what happens. Like, oh my God, she picked me up and uh, this is what happened. And the wife ends up, you know, going through some stuff. It it was a hot, a hot mess. It turned into a big, 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 big scandal uh, or what have you. It almost destroyed um, this man's marriage. Obviously that part was his fault, but I'm saying that to say she knew the guy was already coming on to her and she just intentionally put herself in situations where, um, he, you know, had access to her. Whereas most women, if we know that we're getting like wrong vibes from a guy, like if a guy is flirting with me and he's married, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid him at all costs. I'm not going to get in a car with him. You know, I'm not going to do this. And I, I think about times when I've counseled women, uh, women, whereas, um, And I'm thinking about this case where the woman, you know, she was alone with the guy and she could have left, but she didn't. And she stayed there while the man flirting with her. And even when she had every opportunity to get out of the situation, she repeatedly stayed there and and followed his directions and stuff like that. But she waited. Uh, to the next day to go and accuse him and to say, oh, he did this. And was she telling the truth? Yes, she, he did. But when you're dealing with a beautiful narcissist, in most cases, they will put themselves, they'll sit there and they'll, okay, let's say, okay, let's just say it this way. You got room one, room two, room three, room four. When you're dealing with a beautiful narcissist, let's say there's a male in every room and a beautiful narcissist is in the waiting room, but there's a male in every room. Room number one has a man in there who he thinks she's beautiful, but he doesn't really push it. You know, he doesn't give her that much attention or what have you. Same deal with room number two. There's a guy up in there. He thinks she's beautiful. He's flirted with her. He's flirted with her before, but he doesn't give her that much attention because, you know, he's like he doesn't he didn't see it reciprocated. So he kind of left it alone. Room number three. Uh, there's a married man up in there. Right. And this married man. He has been, you know, flirt. He's flirted with her. He flirts with everybody. Uh, But he kind of left it alone because at the end of the day, she did not seem to reciprocate. So he kind of left it alone. Then room number four, there's a married man in room number four that, you know, he has flirted with her. She didn't reciprocate it, but he's used to hitting on women and get his way. So, you know, what? maybe he's relatively narcissistic himself or what have you. So, He's sitting up in that room and, you know, um, he anytime he sees her or any beautiful woman, he's going to flirt over. have you. He's married. So let's just say every last one of these guys are interviewers for a particular job. And they gave her an option. They said they said, okay, you've met all all four of these guys. Um, Which room would you like to go in for your interview when you're dealing with a narcissistic female? She's going to choose room number four. And the reason she's going to choose room number four, because it allows her to play the victim. It allows her to, to, to say, oh, look, it's again, oh my gosh, it's because I'm beautiful. It's because I'm gorgeous. It's because of how I look that I, this happened to me. So she will typically choose room number four. Now she can go to room number one. The guy thinks she's beautiful. He's already backed off and he's going to give her a fair interview. You know, he's already, you know, he, he'll give her a fair interview, but she's not going to choose his particular room because Um, she doesn't feel like he likes her because, you know, he flirted or, you know, he did. But once he saw that it wasn't reciprocated, he kind of left her alone. So every time he sees her, he's cordial. You know, he's a, a down to earth guy, pretty balanced or whatever. So every time he sees her, he's like, hello. And he just keeps it going. But she's not being worshiped by him. Because he seemed his fair share of beautiful women or maybe at some point he started to realize that her personality, her character wasn't in shape, that she was emotionally immature. Um, Even though she relatively quiet, he started recognizing that, hey, this woman is not who, you know, she pretends to be. She will go into room number four just so she can cast herself as a victim. She'll go into room number four. Now, room number four, you got a narcissistic male. And he's going to interpret it as, oh, she's coming up in here because oh, she mo- she must want a little bit more of uh, of harassment. She wanted a little bit more of daddy. And what have you? So she will walk into room number four and sit it out, and she'll say, "Well, yeah." So my credentials. Now she will switch those hips up in there. I'm talking about me over the top. She will do things to trigger. You know, it's very similar to what they call in the world of psychology. They call reactive abuse, where people will do things to trigger you, and then they'll play. Where well, the narcissist will trigger a person, and then they will play the victim or what have you, because you know they you will explode, but nobody around you knows why you're exploding because they didn't see what the narcissist did. They, they're not understanding that this is a situation of, um, you know it, it's something like an inside joke it's like i know you i know why you did that i know why you said that or you you did a hand gesture that was triggering or something like that i know maybe i told you you know i was sexually assaulted before or something and um the the, the rapist and i'm in a relationship with the guy for example and i tell the guy that i was raped or i was sexually assaulted before and the rapist he he did this hand gesture with his hand or uh, what have you and i'm um, like And so now me and this narcissistic male are out in public. And so we, let's say, for example, we're, we happen to be at church or what have you, and we're talking to people and he's relatively upset with me. He puts his hand on his chest and he kind of does this sly, right? And so now I react and I start cursing. Now, everybody thinks I'm crazy because I'm reacting, but it's inside I know what that hand gesture meant. I know that he's mad at me. I know that he's trying to trigger me. He's been pushing my buttons all day. And so now I react. And that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with narcissism. Please understand that beautiful narcissists do the same thing. They like to trigger guys. And then they have um, react. It's reactive uh, abuse. And I don't even want to say abuse in this particular case. But it's a reactive um manipulation, if you will. So what they'll do is they'll, like I said, that particular female will choose room number four. Now she'll walk into room number four a certain way. She'll walk up in there. She'll put a little extra wriggle in her hips. And you know, there are women who are feminists will say, Oh, Miss Tiffany. Oh, I can't stand women like you because he has to be able to control himself. Those same women don't understand narcissism. Yes. He's at fault. Yes. What happened to him is his own fault, but I'm saying we can't, we can't point out one monster without ignore while ignoring the other one we got to stop giving women a pass just because they happen to be women right and so she 'll come up in there, she may switch her hips she 'll pull her shirt down a little bit before she goes up in there so she can reveal a little bit of cleavage. Um, you know she 'll look in the mirror before she goes up in there she 'll put on her little plumping lip gloss and stuff she 'll do a few things out uh, and you know kind of straighten up her bra make sure that cleavage is popped up, and she 'll you know walk up into that room with an extra switch and she 'll kind of give him a, a certain eye and a smile, what have you because she wants him. To say something inappropriate to her. I hate to say that, but it is real. She wants him to say something inappropriate. And if he if and when he does say something inappropriate, she will typically play the victim. She'll just sit there and say, Um Thanks. He said, Oh my gosh, you look so sexy. You look so sexy. Mm, thanks. Um, wow, yeah, I mean. I got to do this interview right, but I'm trying to stop looking. He keeps looking at her chest, and you're dealing with a pervert, and you're dealing with somebody who's a, probably a male narcissist. Is he a victim? Nope. We, well, yeah, yeah, he's just as much a victim as she is. Both of them are victims, or oh, what have you. Both of them are really narcissizing on each other. That's what we're going to make up a word. they narcissizing each other. <laughs> uh, but in that, she will flirt. I mean, she'll come up in there, and she'll trigger what she knows is already there with him. And then she'll come out of there and she'll be like, oh my God, you know, I, I just went into the room and I just wanted to do the interview because I really need a job. And she'll just play that. She'll use that to her advantage. That is a beautiful narcissist. That is a beautiful narcissist. And it's annoying to me that the world acts like that she doesn't exist or he, because you got males that do it as well. But People act like these people don't exist and we are giving them a pass, not understanding that it's a demon. It's a spirit. And when you give a demon a pass, remember what the Bible says, whatever you allow on whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Another translation says, whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. Whatever you disallow on earth is disallowed in heaven. And whenever you give people a pass, just because they're a female or just because they're beautiful, when you let demons, you know, just because they found a, a nice looking costume, when you give them a pass, then heaven has to allow all of the evil that that person is doing. Um, And a lot of times what you will see is, you will see a trail of, of bodies behind that particular female. You'll see a trail of bodies or, or broken relationships, a trail uh, because, you know, she is very skilled at picking them. Now, when you're dealing with the feminist, the feminist will probably argue, well, I think that's good riddance. I think that she's a good agent. You know, uh, she goes into a space, she finds those narcissists and she kind of snipes them. But let's talk. Let's be real. She's a narcissist herself. Right. She's a narcissist herself. So trust me when I tell you, she's going to snipe women as well. She's going to snipe women as well, because there are women who are more qualified for positions that, you know, she wants. But what she's going to do is she's going to try to have sex or she'll do something and make her way to the top. Either it's through sex or it's through manipulation. You're dealing with a narcissist. Stop looking at it that you're dealing with a beautiful female. Stop looking at it that you're dealing with a male. I mean, a female or stop looking at it that you're dealing with somebody who's beautiful. Look at the fact that you're dealing with a narcissist because we can talk about men who do this. And I can tell you women are more receiving of that message because when you're dealing with male narcissists, they play the victim as well. Right. When you're dealing with male narcissists, they come in, they use their good looks um, to to go to get ahead or what have you. Most of the time, they're not going to claim that. um. They're failing or people are are doing stuff because they're handsome. They're not going to make those type of claims. Typically, when you're dealing with a male narcissist, um, whenever he doesn't feel embraced or what have you, a lot of times um, he is just going to, you know, get pretty much leave. Honestly, he may just leave because whenever he's not worshipped, he's going to walk out of that space. The female narcissist doesn't do it that way. Most of the time she's going to leave without she's not going to leave without leaving an explosion. You know, without blowing something up, without claiming that somebody was coming on to her. I've seen women, I've seen women throw themselves at men in communal spaces. I've seen women throw, I'm talking about flirt, like crazy with married men. And they would do it in such a covert manner. Um, and some of the times, you, you know, thankfully, in most cases you'll see the guy that he, he doesn't necessarily respond to him. But they'll keep doing it. And I, I've said this to people before whenever you're dealing with, um, a female. So I think about, for example, men who say, um, okay, so I got a new secretary and you know, the the man said he has a new secretary. He has a wife who's not comfortable with the secretary. And he says, babe, you got to trust me. And the wife says, no, I've been around your secretary, young, beautiful woman, not a problem, but it's just something off about her. You know, I don't like the way she looks at you. I don't like the way she behaves when I'm in your office. Why does she feel like she needs to keep interrupting our meetings? Why does she feel like she has to keep doing this or what have you? And even some of the conversations, again, reactive abuse. Some of the conversations she's had with me. I was in the waiting room one day because you were in a meeting. I came up to the office. I was in the waiting room and she said, are you Are you, Are you? you waiting for Mr. Jenkins? And I said, yeah. She said, oh, you must be the wife. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, you're so lovely. Uh, you, you look, yeah, I wouldn't expect, um, you, you don't look like his type, you know, she'll say some things that are are relatively cruel, but she'll just do it in a, what we call a nice nasty way. And consequent consequently, the wife doesn't like her. But when the wife doesn't like her, what is she going to say? It's because I'm beautiful. If the wife starts trying to get rid of her, it's because I'm beautiful. It's because, you know, everywhere I go, these women are just insecure. But no, she was just very condescending toward the wife. And she just did it with a smile. She just kept talking to the wife. You know, she was just like, "Um, you know, Mr. Jenkins is a character. Oh, my God. (laughs) I had to work late with him yesterday. We were the only ones left in the office and. I just told him like you are hilarious. You know he tried to corner me, and I was like, "Quit!" So she'll say stuff to trigger the wife, but she'll try to do it like she's not Um, And then the wife goes to the husband, and she says, "Hey, listen. You know you need to be mindful. Like you, you, you're gonna have to fire her. I'm sorry." And the guys like fire her, that's extreme. And you know, most of the time guys aren't that discerning when you're dealing with that. Um, especially when you deal with the covert narcissist. Um, they're not that discerning or what have you. Not realizing that this woman is about to launch a spirit of accusation against them. They don't realize that's what she does everywhere she goes. She flirts, um, she throws herself at men, and then if any man takes the bait, um, and so the wife tries to explain to her, I mean to her husband, she says, you know, listen. It's not you out on trust. Well, I mean, it takes two to tangle, right? I mean, you know, guys, he's like, it takes two to tangle, right? So you're going to have to trust me. And the wife trying to explain to him, you got to understand something. And I, I stand behind this. Even good guys, a good guy can fall into sexual immorality, right? A good guy can have an adulterous relationship with a woman. The Bible says flee fornication, flee. That means run. Now let me say this. If you happen to be a non-Christian christian This message is probably not going to resonate well with you, but I'm going to talk from a Christian standpoint. We got to talk about the Bible. So don't try to compare this with the, the wisdom of the world. But the Bible says flee fornication. So in that moment, a female can be in a room with a male, having been a seductress before. Whenever you're dealing with a guy, if he doesn't run, this is what Joseph had to do when Potiphar's wife tried to come on to him. I tell people all the time. Joseph didn't run because part of his wife could overtake him. He ran because he knew that Mr. Winky could wake up and he was going to have part of his wife laid out because once a man becomes, you know, aroused, a lot of times they stop thinking with the head on their shoulders. Same thing happens with women. Women get aroused. A lot of times we not thinking, you know, we get sit there and realize when it's over with, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just slept with this person. Obviously I'm abstinent and I teach and I preach abstinence, but I'm saying in the past when I wasn't abstinent, when I was in the world, I've had, you know, a case where, you know, it was just me doing something simply because my flesh was aroused. But then when it's over with, you're like, what the heck did I just do? That's just, ugh. why did I do that? Well, that happens to married people as well. And when you're dealing with uh, someone who has a Jezebel spirit, they are completely aware of that. You got to hear me when I say that they are completely and utterly aware of that. And they're also aware of, you know, just. Things that are considered culturally strange, for example, if if this woman happens to be in the office of the man and it happens to be late, it's weird for him to get up and run out of the office, right? And so a lot of times she will use that to her advantage. Her goal, her objective is to get him aroused. objective so when she's left alone with that man that female can be wearing a tight dress walking around the office or maybe she had on a blazer she had a blazer and a dress on the dress is relatively fitted but you couldn't see that because she was wearing that blazer but everybody leaves the office it's after hours she stays behind to help out and then she takes off the blazer revealing that shapely body or what have you she takes off the blazer she says oh my gosh it is so hot in here and she starts giving off these cues the man knows when a woman is flirting just like women know when men are flirting he knows that she's giving cues um it's almost like a a mating animal a female animal that stars you know monkeys what they do is they'll shove a guy they'll shove other monkeys and they'll like pull his hair and they'll just do that and then they'll turn around to indicate that they want to be mounted and when you're dealing with female lions it's very similar they will go over to a male lion and they'll just keep rubbing up against them and they'll keep rolling over and may even bite at them. They start engaging in child's play. And then the female lion will lay down. uh, She will lay on her belly in front of the male. And so what she's doing is she's giving cues that she wants to be mounted, right? Women do the same. Women, you're dealing with people who are, unsaved or what have you they do the same and it's not that the woman wants to be mounted you know it's not that the woman wants to have sex some cases it is in some cases she actually wants the attention of the male she wants the male to flirt she wants and she's going to launch accusations so she takes off her jacket and she says it is so hot in here or what have you so she comes back into his office she sits down she crosses her legs and you know she has a dress counter rolled up and she says so um what do you think about the Jackson report you know, so she's sitting in front of him. She's like, what do you think about the Jackson report? And he's looking. He's like, "Uh, yeah. So he's being flirted with. His flesh is being tantalized. This woman is uh, trying to get him aroused. And if he, she's successful, if he doesn't get up and run, if she's successful, then what she's going to do is either she'll sleep with him and then she'll try to destroy his marriage from there. Or Either that or she, she's going to accuse him. Of trying to sleep with her. And there are cases when a man doesn't bite the bait. There are cases when a man gets uncomfortable and he realizes what the woman is doing and he leaves the office and the female still accused him. She still accused him. Why? Because she was a narcissistic female. She still accused him. Oh, he came on to me. I think about when I was um, married and um, there was this one girl. I told my ex that he used to like to joke around with her uh, because I was relatively cool with her. And whenever he saw her, he would follow her. And I told him to stop doing it, you know, because, you know, he would talk to a lot of my friends. But I told him, I said, stop doing it before you get an accusation. And sure enough, she launched an accusation at some point. Am I saying that he didn't flirt? Oh, no, no, no. Because he probably did, uh, given what I know. But what I'm saying is you, you would have to see the things that she did. When she came in my house, for example, start crawling around on the floor like a little lion in front of the guys. So a lot of times when you're dealing with women, When you're dealing with women who are relatively narcissistic, they literally want the attention of a guy. Every female has experienced that they want the attention of men. Um, And then when they get the attention of men, a lot of times they will play the victim. They will play the victim. And again, you have um, women like that who come into the church and they will accuse anybody in church, including the pastors, of wanting them, of coming on to them, but they're throwing themselves. You will watch them. If you're in church, you will watch them throwing themselves at men. You will watch them being uh, not so nice toward other females. You'll watch them walk into that space and roll their eyes at other females, walk past people and not speak, and then be all up in men's face, especially married men, smiling and cheesing. And then whenever she's given an opportunity, let's say she goes on camera, she will just say, I haven't been received well by the church, you know, it's always like church women can be interesting uh, or what have you. And she'll start accusing church women of being jealous and competitive. And while there are jealous and competitive women in church, that wasn't her story. It, it's not what happened to her. She walked into a space and she wasn't worshiped. She walked into a space and she, you know, people, they, they read her, they saw that, Hey, she wasn't the nicest person. And so they spoke and they just kept it moving, but they didn't create space for her. And so consequently, she started feeling like it's because the guys there want me. No, I literally have watched you walk around here and ignore women, put your head in the air toward women. I've had women to walk up to me, for example, and say, Hey, what's up with this particular female? She never speaks. I'm like, well, she doesn't speak to most people, but then that same female will be in every man's face. Especially young, handsome guys or successful guys, whether they're married or unmarried, will be in their faces smiling and cheesing. Consequently, the men have a different report of her than the women. That's a narcissistic female. The men have a different report. Now, the men who are wise, the men who are standing off in the background, they will sit there and they'll counterpeak game. They'll notice what she's doing. That's a narcissistic female. That's a beautiful narcissistic female who has managed to invade the church and hide behind her beauty. And then she will use the spirit of accusation to accuse everybody who bites the bait. Again, this is what happened to Joseph. Um, They will always sit back and play the victim whenever they don't get their way or whenever somebody does bite the bait. So again, to the feminists, I know a lot of times y'all can kind of root for these type of women and be like, Oh, well, I I, I, I root for sister because if she beautiful girl, work it. Yes, 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 yes. No, I don't cheer on demons, you know, because there are beautiful women out here who are down to earth and they come into a communal space and they are cool and we got them everywhere. They are cool. They are down to earth. They're sweet. They're beautiful. They're nice. They're kind. And they're humble. And, While they've dealt with their fair share of jealousy, they don't think that everybody who rejects them or doesn't open up their arms to them is jealous of them. They're able to discern that, okay, this is a case of this person is just uncomfortable. This is this. And they're going to be relatively kind. And then you have the narcissist who is always looking for a reaction from people who will trigger people, push their buttons and then claim that people are jealous of them. Anyhow, I'll likely do a part two to this. I hope this message bless you. I love you and God bless you.